All right, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode of the Strength Academy podcast. Grayson here, joined by Mundo. What's up, y'all? All right, guys. Well, thanks for bearing with us last week while we were both extremely sick. Uh, we are we are now back with another new episode for you guys. Hope you enjoyed the recap last week. Uh, that was always one of our favorite episodes, and we've gotten some positive reviews on that one, so we thought we'd put it back out into the ether again. Yeah, that was a good one. I, uh, I enjoyed that episode a lot too so uh it was it was easy to just go ahead and throw that one back up and hopefully people listen to it again and if you haven't heard it before hopefully it was a good episode for you and uh we kind of we didn't really have a structure for today's episode we kind of we've both been out sick and um, there was a lot going on this week as far as some traveling and uh, we had somebody compete out of out of uh california and uh or we had somebody compete in california at university nationals and uh, he did pretty well, so like, let's talk about his performance at, uh, at, at universities and talk about maybe the, the university venue itself. Yeah, uh, the University Nationals this year was out uh, in Pleasanton, California, just outside of Oakland in the Bay Area. Um, as always, California's weather is nothing to complain about. Right. You guys really have it set out there. Um, so yeah, we uh, just had one person lifting this year, Riley, so it was a really easy meet uh, for me as a coach because it was just one person to keep track of yeah we uh flew out thursday night and he lifted friday afternoon um hotel venue was a double tree nice and just good quality good okay. room um and the shuttle was really reliably on time to take you to and from the fairgrounds from the hotel um yeah the training hall looked looked adequate um it was a little bit cramped in the back uh for you know, the warm-up platforms. Yeah. Uh, there just wasn't a whole lot of space between the back of the stage and the wall. So mm-hmm. everything was kind of crammed in there. But that really just made coming to and from your platform and for your session, that overlap period. Yeah. It just kind of made that a little hectic. But um, nothing actually went wrong as far as uh, the warm-ups went there. Um, Riley had to overcome a couple of misses in the back uh, before his opener, so uh, we had to jump basically from 90 to 102 um, because of the order lifting change and then uh, missing that final warm-up at 97, but came out, made that 102, and just wasn't quite there at the at the weights that we kind of wanted to be. I think the goal for this meet was uh, to take a crack at a 110. Sure. And it just wasn't 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 the day for that. Yeah. But uh, stayed positive after. Uh, still got a score on the board in the opening snatch. So uh, moved into the clean and jerk and uh, two for three there. Uh, opened at one thirty, made it look real good. Yeah. It was good. Uh, one thirty five. We've been doing a lot of work on the jerk, so that was really nice. And then uh, it was looking strong in there, so we we bumped up and took a crack at one forty. Um, good clean just slightly out in front on the jerk so overall a three for six day but um yeah 237 total and uh, an attempt at a pr cleaner jerk which i yeah. think would have been four kilos more than he's done in a meet um so all the changes that we've been working on with him uh this last cycle has largely been um strengthening his back and his pulling positions off the floor right and really trying to solidify um the jerk positions overhead and i think that that uh despite not having the total that we wanted going to the meet, that was still very successful. Yeah, still, sure. Still showed improvements in those areas that we were working on. And uh, onward to the next one, um, just looking to do another meet sometime in the summer to re-qualify for American Open Finals and start training for that. Yeah, so I think uh, Riley ended up with a 237 total, which put him just, what, 
three three kilos shy of the AO finals total. Yeah. He's two forty. Yeah. So yeah, so he's real close. Uh, just a couple more kilos added onto the bar for the next competition, and he'll be he'll be right back into that AO finals position. So I think that was a good meet for him. Uh, I uh, I watched it live on the link here at the gym, and uh, we were all rooting for Riley, and you know everybody was, would stop what they were doing and, and just just watch what uh, what he was doing on the platform. So it was good even to watch it from our vantage point. Uh, so. Uh, I think it was a successful meet. There's some things that he said he wanted to work on, and we'll, I'm sure he'll we'll get into those as soon as he's back in the gym and ready to go again. Yep, taking that a uh, little bit of time off after the meet. So we'll do, uh, you know, usually I advise our guys after a big competition to either take the week almost entirely off or just move. Um, I think what we're going to do this go around is uh, got a few exercises that I want to use in the next training cycle. So we'll put three workouts together. Um, just to kind of introduce um, new exercises without tons and tons of volume or weight right. and just kind of make sure that those are being done how we're going to do them and kind of do a preview of the next cycle basically. I really like those uh, kind of transition weeks. Yeah. So, you know, uh, one thing that you might want to do is if you're, if you're, you know, if you just did a meet or you've reached the end of your training program and you're then lifting alone is just keep in mind that, you know, sometimes week one of a training program, especially if you're following like one of the Takano programs from his programming book, starts at 80%, day one, week one, boom, <laughs> yeah. right away. And um, it's okay to add a, a week zero, you know? So if you're, if you're gonna like start something up, sure. sometimes you might wanna take a look at whatever program you're gonna run next and uh, say, okay, well, I've gotta, I've gotta do block snatches from above the knee and I haven't done those in months sure or I, I have a, there's a new exercise in there or you know it just starts at 80 percent the first week right. so it's okay to kind of mirror what what your first week of the program that you have like that you got out of your book or online and just spend a week practicing those movements um, and doing some lighter percentages with that just to get a feel for it yeah. so that you're not just fucking steamrolled right uh, yeah. on that first. Kind of run. How how long do you recommend that people take off after like big meets, like nationals or AO finals and things like that? Like, what's a good amount of time to kind of decompress from that stage of training? I th I think for for the guys that are doing um, nationals and AO finals, or even if you're just really pushing towards a certain local meet, if it's a state games or something like that, sure. I don't think that there's anything wrong with taking a full week off. Um, I think a lot of times people struggle to do it mentally more than they do physically, but sometimes taking an entire week, uh, that doesn't mean sit around and do nothing that week, but, you know, taking a week to, I don't know, go to hot yoga with your girlfriend or go for a hike or, <laughs> right. you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're up to, um, having that change of pace can be really good. Um, and that, and that was kind of something that we, we, we wanted to kind of play around with as an idea is, um, We've recently had a uh, flu pandemic uh, <laughs> erupt in and around the gym, um, and it's it's kind of wreaking havoc here in Albuquerque. Uh, school systems are full of it. People's yeah. workplaces are full of it. We have a lot of people that work in healthcare and the school system. Right. So it was only a matter of time before it made its way in for us, and. This, this kind of necessitated a couple of conversations with people about like, okay, well, what do you do when you get sick? Right. Because clearly what we had, 
you know, if you have a, a fever and you can't hold your breath because you're coughing, right? The the training plan has to change, right? Um, and I feel like uh, it's one of those things where we we talked about, you know, people getting too caught up in um, thinking that the program has to be done exactly the way that you said right. it was. Yeah. But it's that it's that whole thing where I, I'm not um, omniscient. Right. So so yeah. if, if yeah. you get sick, we're going to have to adjust things around a little bit. And I think that um, particularly for people who lifting is kind of like a, an, an outlet to get out nervous energy and sure. stuff, it's really, really hard for those people to stop and just be sick. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. All I want you to do right now is just lay down and get over this as fast as yeah, you can. Yeah, just rest and stop coughing. Because there's, there's basically two things that you have to consider when you've gotten sick um, and, you're, and you're training for something. It's how far out from that competition are you. Right. Um, if there's nothing coming up for 10 or 12 weeks, just take, just take the week off. Just be, feel better. We'll repeat the last thing or True. we'll change course slightly and we can get right back on track. I, there, there's, I don't know. Can you think of any instances where it's worth it to try to train through because I, I really think that even if you're coming up to a competition like keep on top of your stretching maybe yeah. come in and do, like you could do bar work but like I, I I don't think I can think of that many instances where it would actually be beneficial to come in and train super hard while you're sick well I, I'm kind of in in the group of people that's just like if you're sick just stay home like not even in your garage gym like don't even be out in your garage gym doing stuff like just stay home get better and then once you're fully recovered come back into the gym and start training again like so for me i i caught whatever this nasty little cold was or flu or it was very minimal but um it knocked like all the energy out of me so when i i tried to pick up a barbell on tuesday and it was just it felt like a million pounds and everything felt off and I couldn't breathe and I was coughing. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna try to get as much rest as I can. And even today, like as much rest as I've gotten, I still feel a little bit like weak and, and I, just, like, I, I feel like I need to go back to sleep and get some more rest. But I think I'm almost back to being 100%. But I had to take all that time off just to, to try to let my body recover. And, and people, some people just don't have the like the idea doesn't pop up in their head. It's like, maybe I should just back off and get some more rest, like eat some pho, take a nap, you know, lay on the couch for a little bit, watch, like watch some of those guilty pleasure TV shows that, that you can fall asleep to. And it's not a big deal, but like then come back to the gym and be ready to train. So like, hopefully this next week I'll be ready and back to train like and fully committed to it because what happens is, is people get sick and then you don't feel like training you feel sick you feel tired you're not 100% like you're trying to fight a fight off a cold and fight with the barbell too so it's just like it's just twice as frustrating like I could see like sometimes people need to get that workout in or they feel like they're close to competition like I have to get this workout and I have to do this or like it's, it's all gonna fall apart but in, in reality, a few days of, of, of just some extra rest isn't going to kill you. It's not going to destroy your snatch technique. Um, and, and you'll be better off because you'll get less people sick at the gym because you didn't show up. 
um, instead of coming in and spreading all your your germs around. Um, but like, I think that's the case with like a lot of things too. Like people will show up to work and, and they don't want to take that day off or like, oh, I don't have the time to take off or like, I don't want to waste my sick vacation days or, you know, they'll come in because they don't want to deal with being at home with their spouse or whatever. So, <laughs> you know, I don't, whatever, whatever reason you can come up with to not just stay home and, and take care of yourself. And that's kind of what, a, what a, a part of it is, is like self-care. Like how, how much are you willing to take care of yourself when you're sick? So this goes back to like just being realistic about what you're capable of, what your, your idea towards training is, and like how you approach recovering from setbacks. So like uh, being sick is a setback because it doesn't allow you to train the, na- the way you normally would. And I think that overall... Um, sometimes people just caught up in like, oh, I'm too, too close to competition. I can't afford to miss. But then your training might might suffer anyway because you're sick. So I, I, I'm an advocate for just like stay home, get better, then come back. Then come back to the gym and start putting that work back in. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, an important way to conceptualize this is that there's – you have limited resources with which to recover. Right. And if you're diverting all of your – resources for getting better from whatever cold or flu that you have into recovering from the squat workout that you did while you're sick now you're kind of fighting two battles right. um like so you're so you're having to split up your resources and i think that i mean this is anecdotally i don't have any scientific evidence for this i'm not a doctor but <laughs> neither am i you, neither uh, am I. when you're kind of dividing your resources like that I, I i think that the tendency is that people stay sick longer Maybe, yeah. Um, like, if, if, you, if you notice that you're coming down with something and you just bed down right away and just take a few days, I think you can get over things a little bit faster than right. if you try to deny the fact that you're sick for the first week. And this is specifically, guys, I'm talking to you. Right. I know that you lie and say that you never get sick and you just pretend that you're not sick. You're like, nah, I just got allergies or it's just a cough. Right. Like, nah, I'm just feeling kind of weird. I'm not sick. No, you're sick. You're That's sick. That's what being sick is. <laughs> yeah. you, like, just because you're not dying doesn't mean that you're not sick. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so, and so that's the thing is just like people will show up. And I remember the military days where like uh, people were so gung-ho. It's like, oh, I'm going to get my workout in. I don't care. Like I'll, I'll sweat out the fever. You know, I'll sweat out, yeah, I'll sweat sweat out, out the out flu. The fever thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, come on, man. Like, no. You're just touching everything, getting everything contaminated. Just Everything's getting dirty and getting the flu on it. And you're just spreading it all around like an asshole. So yeah. don't. Stop. <laughs> yeah, so, so really I think uh, – this, this is our public service announcement this week is, is if you're if you're getting sick just take the time to recover from that it's yeah. there's there's nothing that's so important that you can't take a couple days to make sure that you feel better and aren't going to get your friends sick so like it, okay so let's say you signed up for a seminar right or a training camp with one of these like high level coaches uh, and then all of a sudden you get sick it's like should you should you fly out and still go train or is it like well, so you wasted a thousand dollars on depending some of these on what information I was looking to get, right. whether it was going to be a all you know physical kind of lifting day or more of kind of a, a theory. Sure, yeah. I think that you could probably still go for the theory and just put on your mask and just sit in the back and take notes. I think I think that would be be reasonable, but also they'd probably let you push your registration to another maybe uh, date yeah but yeah there's there's definitely some 
I think that a lot of it is, uh, like you mentioned, you know, in work, uh, in the military, that sort of stuff, like there's, people are just such workaholics that like people feel guilty for getting sick. Right. And, and it happens to me too. Like I had to take uh, a couple of days off last week and it it's weird that you feel guilty about it. You're just like, oh, everybody's going to be so disappointed. It's like, no, no, man. They, they just, they don't want you to be sick either. Right, yeah. And really, if you're that sick, they also don't want to be around you right, right now. So nobody's going to be mad at you for just staying home. Yeah, like when's the last time you just visited a hospital for the fun of it? Never, because you don't want to be in the hospital because it's never, never a good time. Uh, but like that's the same mentality. It's just like why, why would you be sick and then try to be everywhere that you need to be all at once. Just, just stay home, guys. Just stay home. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a symptom of um, you know the the, the get it done no matter what culture. Yeah, like the feeling that you just have to. And I mean, I get it. There's there's certain things that you have to do even if you don't feel particularly sure. well. Like, yeah, I, I like get if that. If you get sick and then you don't feed your dog for three days, like you're making a bad decision. But, but like, like, there's a there's yeah. a spectrum of things that you have to get done. And, um, I mean, that's why most, most places encourage a certain amount of sick time. Yeah, that's true. And that's, that's why you have coworkers. Cause the reality is, is that you're replaceable and somebody else will pick up the slack, hopefully for whatever you were supposed to be doing. If you're sick, you know, I'm not saying like skip out on your big presentation cause you don't feel like doing it. I'm just saying if you're sick, somebody else could probably help pick up the project that you're left off at, or you could give some, you know, some feedback or you can give some uh, instructions to, to whoever might be able to carry on the project in your absence but like you gotta take care of yourself because like the reality is, is if you get like let go or you're fired from your job or laid off whatever they're gonna find somebody to replace you and if you're not taking care of yourself like they're not they're not gonna care if you're you're there or not just as long as the work's getting done and what I think is really interesting is that uh, so, maybe, so maybe this is PSA part two for today is that you know the more novel whatever virus people are getting, the the more the outsized response. Like I, I've seen all kinds of really weird stuff on social media since this coronavirus oh, outbreak yeah, yeah. in China, and um, spanning the whole spectrum. From uh, I've seen vegans saying things like "You deserve this" because you're eating bats and oh, animals, all right. and and I think if you're at the point where you're rooting for pandemic like your 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 philosophy might need like a readjustment when it's like you millions of people deserve to burn because we ate the wrong animals like i think that they that so that's been one really kind of weird uh thing there's been a lot of oh, that's an know, interesting reaction that people have to that kind of stuff it's just like oh well you deserve for this to happen because you did something that i don't like yeah. Or that I don't agree with. And it's like, well, I mean, maybe like the two people that got it from eating bats, like you could, you, but, but the fact that they gave it to somebody else doesn't, that got, that, the third person that got infected in this chain of people didn't eat any bats. Right. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, exactly. So I think there's, there's definitely some like weird reactionary stuff happening, but also what I think is it's, it's interesting if you go back to, um, I don't know, when we were younger, SARS or uh, SARS was a big one, avian yeah. flu, all of these things that pop up and people are really worried about. Um, yeah, I mean, it's serious. You don't want new stuff coming around. 
But, but it's also important to keep in perspective because the, the news is constantly just swapping you with this many coronavirus deaths, right. this much spreading, this is what's happening with these field hospitals. But the normal flu has a way higher death rate than this thing that's coming around. So I, I think it's really important. That it's just like such a perfect example of um, how the purpose of the news is to get people to click on the news. Sure. And like, not yeah. like actually accurately relate the size of the threat. So you want to keep track of it? Sure. You, you think it's kind of interesting to see how diseases spread and how we're going to fight these kind of things. Or if you're looking at, you know, species to species transfer, that's interesting. I'm fine. I mean, you learn about it, but, but to have an outsized amount of freaking out about it when, you're not equally worried about the regular flu, I think is kind of like a weird double standard because the normal flu kills way more people a year. You know, like the, it's, it's way more prevalent. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all it's, over the place and we still don't, we don't have a cure for it because we can't, you know, cure viruses. Like sure. that's just, you just ride it out or you put an antiviral in there, but it's not the same as, you know, strep where right. it's a reliable, boom, antibiotics fix the strep. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I don't know. That's that's kind of an interesting thing where... If you have the coronavirus, also do not go to the gym. <laughs> yeah, yes, you should probably <laughs> stay home or to go to the hospital. <laughs> but statistically, you might be better off. Right. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's really interesting looking at the ways that, uh, you know, people kind of get manipulated into thinking that things are way more severe than they are. Right. Um, it's that... Uh, I don't know. Everything is like sensationalized, right? Where like anytime you hear something, it's like, this is a huge deal. But then after two weeks, it's not around anymore. It's like, well, if it was still a huge deal, would it, would would it would it be still going on? Like, or right. wouldn't you still be talking about this? And then the news is so interesting, like that. In that, like, you remember when everybody was 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 panicked about the wildfire fires in Australia? I do remember. Yeah, is Australia I, still on fire? I don't know. Everybody stopped talking about yeah. it. So <laughs> it's really confusing because they make everything seem like it's like you know the. How do you actually know what's important, and how do you know when you're being manipulated to like mm. sell ads on a on a on a news site? You it's know a what good I mean? Question. Yeah. And it's and it's not that you know like. The information is wrong. It's just that you know, the, depending on how you write the article, is going to make it seem urgent or not. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know, man. It's it's hard to keep up with because you know, if you hear this is the worst thing ever, but it's it's sort of like uh, what was it, Chicken Little? Is it the sky yeah, is it's falling? Yeah, like catastrophizing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and, and then when something really important happens, how many of us are just going to be like, well, the right. last thing wasn't that important, right? I don't know. No, cause I, I worry like, about that. Yeah, because it's like that cry wolf scenario where it's like if, if everything's a, a, a fire in a trash bin and you're trying to put out all these fires, like the next time somebody sell, yells fire, you're just going to think it's still in a trash bin and really the whole thing is on fire. But I think that uh, maybe keeping some of these stories to a, a minimum level of interest like you're you're aware of them you're aware that these things are happening like these pandemics are happening in china but does it affect me at this point presently not necessarily i'm not traveling to china anytime soon i'm not going to be around like anybody that traveled to china anytime soon so the, the is the virus a big deal like to me specifically right now probably not am i aware of it yes i know that it's happening i am i understand that it's like a problem 
but there's also not a whole lot I can do about it in my present situation. Like I'm not a doctor, I'm not a, a virologist, or you know I don't deal with any kind of microbiology or any kind of you know science and sciencey things that have to do with virus elimination or you know propagation or anything like that. So to me, it's just like well I'll, I'll keep an eye on it, but I mean hopefully it's just I don't encounter it anytime soon. Well, yeah, because I mean the the at the end of the day for most of us. The same. You just do the same thing. You wash your hands and, and you and you don't eat stuff off the floor. Yeah. You know, and if like you're sick, stay home. Like, <laughs> so it's it's. I don't know. It's really funny. Um, just all all the different ways that we get we get so worked up about um, whether it's the latest political scandal or which there, there's just been thousands of in the last three years. Yeah. But like you know, it's it's that sort of thing where. What I worry about is that if, if, if everything is a disaster, when there actually is a disaster, no one will listen. And I, I think that that's kind of the problem of, uh, you know, the loss of uh, print media that we've, what we've seen. Because it used to be like, okay, yeah, there was always newspaper advertisements. But, you know, now it's, how many times have you, like, been scrolling through and you read a headline and you're just like, what? And then you go and read the article, and it has nothing to do with it. And the right. headline was just there to like lure it's you clickbait. in. It's clickbait. Yeah. yeah, it's that it's that whole clickbait model. Um, I think is really. I don't know. I don't think it's doing great things uh, for for trusting news because right. the clickbait model. When even when even the New York Times and like you know, like these these institutions that we we kind of have always trusted. When even they're using clickbait, that's when you start. That's when people start falling for for other misinformation that has clickbaity titles. Because if even the legitimate stuff is trying to sensationalize, right. then then of course it's going to be easier to cross that bridge into you know fake newsland, right? right? Or you know like it's it's this uh, because what I think it is is that clickbait type titles and. You know this this feeling of like consciously knowing that you're being manipulated and you're supposed to feel a certain way, like that makes you distrustful of of everybody. Right. And when that level of distrust rises, all of a sudden people just kind of start questioning. Like this this is how we ended up in the situation where nobody has the same facts anymore. Right. You know where it's people are just living in entirely different worlds. And I think that that all comes down to this, you know, uh, ad revenue model where it's like you have to get people clicking. Right. And that's Responses. when... Response equals revenue, right? Exactly. That's the model. And I think that that sets you up for, you know, the mainstream news sources trying to make things a little bit more clicky. Yeah. Um, and then the, the not so mainstream or the downright disingenuous uh, people that are out there trying to just manipulate opinions right. um, are, are going to be ratcheting that up to kind of unheard levels. And then when you're, you're in this position where it seems like everybody's doing the clickbait thing, you, you have a harder time trusting that somebody's actually being factual. And like so many news articles read like opinion pieces now where it's like one or two facts, but then just tons and tons of writer opinion. And yeah. that's, that's okay. I like reading opinion pieces. Like sure. I think it's interesting to hear what, how other people are thinking about situations. But when you're just constantly in opinion zone, like I, I basically just wish that things were more boring and dry. Like I kind of want just like 
date, time, this thing happened. Date, this happened, time, yeah. this thing happened. Yeah, that would probably be more accurate for sure. Yeah, because like then you're allowed to kind of draw your own conclusion. But, you know, I, I feel like people are starting to be aware that, well, no, maybe not people are being aware. But I'm aware when I'm reading stuff of like, oh, this is supposed to be manipulating me to feel this way about right. it. Like all of it's like, it's, it's, it's too propagandy. Well, I think we live in an age of misinformation now. Like we, we used to live in the information age, but now we live in the misinformation age. And, and it's because there's so many people providing so much information that you can't credi credibly like, source every piece of information that you read about, right? Because not everybody does that. Not everybody puts the sources of their, where they're deriving this info from. They're just, they're a source themselves. Yeah. And so like, how do you, how do you get out of this Orwellian trap of like, propagandizing one part, one aspect of, of a situation, but then in reality, like people are experiencing something different, right? Because in the news, you have all this sensationalization of this, maybe this new virus that's coming out or this, this political situation that's turned up. And then all of a sudden, like, where's, where's the truth lie in all of that? Because you have so many people providing opinions and providing information on it. Like, what do you know? How do you know what's, what's real and what's not? Like, you have to have some level of critical thinking and some kind of thought application process to somehow this stuff works because if not, then you could just get flowed from one article to the next and, and not realize that some of it's bias, some of it has some um, self-confirming you know, bias and has some opinions that are slanted one way over the other in, in more specific, and, and you can go to any like major news source and they'll be biased in one direction or another. There's almost, there's almost no big political news organization that doesn't have some kind of like inherent bias like ingrained in it. I in think the way like it's objectivity written. is a unicorn. Yeah, right? objectivity like is, is getting more and more rare. Like the, the ability to look at a situation and say, these are the facts. Everything else is just an opinion. What I think about what's happening is is just an opinion. Like, but this is actually what is going like there's a there's a different way of you know when people write articles, they want it to be interesting because they're trying to vie for your attention. Your attention is a commodity nowadays. So, and people's attention spans are, are diminishing or they're getting less and less tolerant of long-winded things. That's why podcasts are kind of like the perfect format because you hear a conversation, you hear something, but it's not exorbitantly long. You don't have to sit there for an hour in front of the, the, the news and, and try to figure out what's, what's legit and what's not. So like, I think that a lot of the time, um, Maybe we should be careful about the stuff we're consuming because remember that old input the adage is garbage in, garbage out, right? So if you're consuming a lot of garbage, like BuzzFeed articles and things like that, like all this stuff that's like pop culture but not really news, you know, specific stuff, object objectively news, then it's just like attention grabbing. It's just it's just consuming your attention span. Well, and, and uh, so that, that kind of reminded me of a couple of things, but I think one of the things that you specifically mentioned BuzzFeed articles is how many news articles now, or, you know, quote unquote news articles, um, are just compilations of things people are screaming about on Twitter. Right. Like so many of them. Like I scroll through Apple News and it's just up, up. these five people on Twitter really roasted so-and-so yeah. after yada yada. And it... It, that doesn't help. Is that's that not actual. That's not actual discourse. That's, that's not. not news. Yeah, you're not getting information. It's just you know opinion entertainment, and you know I think that the the problem might be this, and that I think that you know being able to say 
what the objective state of reality is. Yeah. You know, there's 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 people that make the argument that that's actually kind of impossible to to have like firm grasp of of reality because everything is interpreted through your lens. There's sure. like nothing that is is doesn't have a subjective component to it. Yeah. And when in the past, when it was you know Walter Cronkite reading the news, and there were only two news sources, right, or mm-hmm. one or two, like yeah, one newspaper in your town, and then you know, I feel like the bias was still there. We probably didn't ever actually have like pure objective right. journalism. Yeah. But the problem was is that you know now everybody can have a voice, so you can have you know your. Breitbart's and your Huffington Post's where it's like very kind of like in your corner. Yeah. And the fact that there are more voices now all doing the same thing that we used to get just from our few news sources is really just kind of highlighting the fact that two people can look at the same data and have entirely different opinions about that data. And entirely different ways of looking at it. Well, and they're both citing the same numbers, they're both yeah. citing the same statistics. And they're, you know, just how they feel about it emotionally is what dictates the, you know, I think that's where a lot of the disagreement comes in. And you do have people deliberately saying things that are false, but it's not just one side is doing it. Everybody is Everybody's doing it. it. Everybody's yeah. promoting a certain amount of misinformation um, or not telling the whole story or telling the part of the story that's convenient to yeah. their ends. And I think that the... For me, the way that I've kind of landed on trying not to be kind of duped or kind of pulled in too far one way or another is, um, so th- these, are, these are my tips for this, is if, if you find yourself reading something and you agree with every single bit of it, reevaluate those beliefs. Because, because if you're, if you're like, if you're like, this is perfect, it's, it can't be. So yeah. you might be missing something and you might be overlooking some of your own bias. Sure. Um, if you only get your news from one source, branch out, um, and then wherever you stand, listen to what the people you disagree with are saying intently. And I think that that's really the the hardest thing when it comes to politics, because you know it's it's a it's a passionate topic. It's the reason that you know people say don't talk about it at the dinner table. Yeah. Because like you know you're gonna get into get into arguments, and I I think it's fun to do. But it stresses it stresses <laughs> it my stresses friends and family some out, out. You know, some people it stresses them out. Yeah. So I think that you know the important thing to do is under being able to. This is a concept that I really love, and it's uh, so you, you know what building a straw man is in an argument. I I'm aware of it. Yeah. So building a straw man would be like attacking somebody on a position that's an exaggerated. Um, misrepresentation of their position so if they're if so, so let, let's use something silly uh, you know like somebody says that you know they don't like stews true and you're just like so you think it's wrong to drink liquids <laughs> okay you no think I didn't say that you people who eat soups are bad people I didn't say so that this, <laughs> so, that, so that's kind of attacking the straw man where it's not like oh I just don't like green chili stew it's like oh so you hate Mexican culture oh okay like, no, no, no 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 so no, you're no. inherently <laughs> racist then okay yeah alright so, so, that, so that's the straw man right you're not attacking their actual position right you're, you're inflating it and making it an easy attack target. So sure. that's the jousting a straw man. Oh, I see. Right? Yeah. yeah, okay, that makes sense. So I think that what we all have to get better at is 
steel manning the position of people that we disagree with. So a steel man would be, if you're having a discussion with somebody, you need to understand where they're coming from so well that you can explain their opinion to them. So like if you're having a conversation with somebody, you need to be able to say, oh, so what you're saying is this and articulate their position so well that they say, yes, that's exactly what I believe. Oh, okay. And then start your critique from there because then you're at least acknowledging that you understand what they're talking about yeah. and that you might disagree, but you have to understand their positions. And I think that's why it's really important to consume news from the you know fringy sides of both spectrums, yeah. the middle part of both spectrums, and then try to find somebody saying they're a centrist. And I think that you know the the importance of consuming media that even if it pisses you off, you yeah. still have to know what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. Because if all you're doing is attacking what you think they're talking about, they can say you don't get it. Yeah, like you don't you're not, you're not even invested enough to understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think that that's the problem of the bubble that we end up in. If you're letting social media curate your news or you're not kind of branching out, sure. is that you, you end up in this position where you, you don't really know what to think because on any given day, the truth is probably actually somewhere in the middle. Yeah, there's, it usually is. And, and the, the truth is, is like there's, you, there's usually two sides to it and then the truth is objectively in the middle of those two sides, usually. And I think that when we get our news from things like social media, if the, if the only th way that you find out about stuff is by memes on Instagram, like, come on. Like, you guys got to branch out a little bit. Yeah, me, me, memes are not a reliable. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, 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 it's propaganda, yeah, right? It's, like, it's all, meme, all memes are. All it's, memes are propaganda. It's supposed to be, like, punchy, yeah. and you get it, and you get the emotional reaction. Yeah. And It's a form I don't know. of entertainment. It's more than anything. It should be a form of entertainment as opposed to, like, a legit news source. But, yeah, I mean. Well, and I, and I you know, like, people can manipulate a lot of people through memes right and like they don't cite sources and you know so it if, if it's all opinion if too if you're caught up in something and you're like oh man and you're out and you find yourself being outraged by it like a two-minute compilation video you saw right you need to really make sure that you're going in and examining the other side of that and looking for the sources that they used because there is you don't know who made that video and I think that that's the problem of, you know, the internet is it's great because we can talk uh, to tons and tons of people. And yeah. We can kind of share our opinions and talk about lifting or life or whatever we want. Right. But the counter side of that is that, you know, if, you know, don't cite me in a paper because we ha we're having an informal discussion yeah, about is, like political news. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And this is, isn't an informal discussion as, as much as it can get. Like you guys are basically previewed to an informal discussion that Grayson and I are having. And, and we have a lot of informal discussions in the gym with our athletes, too. And, and we talk about things that go beyond just weightlifting. And we have conversations about some you know, controversial topics and some political th stuff and some opinions. But um, I think that the way that we help further our understanding of each other and of ourselves and of our own positions is by listening to other people's opinions and, and helping either bounce those opinions off our own biases and our own ideas and then just discussing them with other people in an open and open way like not being shut down by a specific you know way of thinking and i think that the ability to do that is very difficult and and we live in an age where it's just easier to get mad 
and say, no, I don't agree with that, and you're not my friend anymore, and stuff like that, have that kind of mentality than to say, well, you know, tell me why you think that way. I'm, I'm about 60% on the fence about this type of issue. Like, you know, convince me why you think the way that you do about it. So I think it's, it's more of an approach of just like having a centrist or a moderate type of view as opposed to the extremes. Like, I'm not an absolutist in any way. Like, I don't believe in extremes or absolutes, and I don't think that's the best place to dwell on either side of the spectrum. So for me, there's always nuances. There's always different aspects of, of situations that come up that it's like, well, did you think about this? Like, how would it affect this? Like, because it's easier to say, well, my, my parents think this way, my grandparents thought this way, so I'm gonna think this way. And so you just continue that line of, of um, biased thought and and how do you ever break the cycle of that like if you're only consuming the things that you agree with all the time and that and grayson brought up a great point like if you look at an article and everything it says like yep yep that should happen that way yep that, i totally agree with that and at the end of the article you're like that was a fantastic news article i agree with everything that was written in there but i mean really i mean when was the last time that you read a book and you agreed with every single thing that was in there so it doesn't happen very often because the author has his own thoughts and opinions on things. And as much as authors try to put this objective facts in their research and things in the books, they all, there are always opinions and there's always their own conclusions and, and the, the, the realizations that they've come to through their experience. So you have to take those things with a grain of salt because your experience might not be their experience. And everything that they say, while it's backed up by scientific evidence, may not always be the perfect example of what happens in every situation. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, you know, on the base, um, at the base of it, that's why we've kind of made this a, the, the weird kind of hybrid show that it is, is right. that if you can learn to recognize that really, you know, because we bring up a lot of ideas on this show that yeah. we don't necessarily wholeheartedly believe in, but right. we want to make, we want to let you know what the arguments are. And recognizing that, that it's not that, you know, Wherever, whoever it is that you're disagreeing with, nobody thinks they're the bad guy. Nobody's, nobody's the, you know, who's the guy from Despicable Me? Oh, no, Gru? Yeah, nobody's Gru. Gru. Nobody's, the, <laughs> nobody's the super villain, right? right? Yeah. Well, nobody's saying, really. I'm the villain. Right. Nobody's operating like that. It's but just even... we have disagreeing philosophies about what the right course of action is. Yeah. But nobody's coming from a place that says, we want to, you know burn this group to the ground like but, I don't think but I, you have I think to think that even villains are the heroes of their own stories that's what I mean yeah so like in their eyes they're doing the right thing you know but but in reality you know they're actually the villain and, and maybe you're the villain of somebody else's story well that's the scary thing is like have you ever stopped to consider that you're the bad guy and you yeah. know I think that if you're not um, willing to you know treat ideas not as if it's okay, well, this way of looking at tax policy, you know, like, I think that's an easy example where it's like, you know, people who, you can kind of straw man the argument of, oh, you hate poor people as much as you want. But in that person's world, in that person's subjective experience, they think that that's the correct way to take care of poor people. It's right. not, nobody's operating on the, on, on dead Kennedy's kill the poor. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like, you can say that that's what the result is, and you can disagree about the results and the the you know effects of certain policies or you know different groups of ideas, and you can think that this is a dangerous idea, but no nobody thinks that they're the bad guy, and I think that it's it really easy 
to lose sight of the fact that we, we all kind of are just toying with these different ideas. And I think if you can, you know, think about things like philosophy and you can kind of, because really that's all politics is, right? Political science yeah. is just different ideas about how we should govern ourselves. Right. And if you recognize that just because you have an idea about something and a deeply entrained one, right, doesn't mean that that's the only way of doing things. Yeah, of course. And, you know, being willing to, to listen to what actually listen to what other people are saying, you'll, you'll see that even if you still vehemently disagree, that there's more nuance there. The world isn't black and white. Right. Everything is a gray area. And when you can maintain that skepticism of, well, just because you said that doesn't mean it's true, right? You right. can believe that, and I believe that you believe that. But, but do you, like, uh, it's just so well. So I, I ran into I ran into this kind of argument with myself earlier last year when uh, Kate and I and and to bring it back to weightlifting, Kate and I and Maddie Rogers are vying for this spot, this Olympic spot, right? And they're both not going to be able to fill this spot. There's some one person's going to take it over the other, and. I could see people like bandwagoning onto one person's band, like, oh, this person deserves it more than her, or this person's a better lifter than she is, or she works harder. But how do you judge how hard somebody's working, or how do you judge like what somebody's level of deservedness for anything is? And the reality to me is that like both of these women put in a lot of work. They're trying to make their dreams come true. They're they're doing more than the average quarterback, like couch quarterback, you know, who's who's not getting to the Olympics, you know. So, to me, like those types of arguments and the bandwagoning is like, oh, this this she deserves it way more than she does, or you know, she she's she's a basket case. She doesn't deserve to go to the Olympics. Or, like you're making all these value judgments about this person that you don't even know. You've never even met her in in real life. Like you haven't talked to her for more than two seconds. Say, hey, can I get a picture with you so you can post it on Instagram later? But like you don't know anything about her as a person. You don't know how hard she's worked, things that she's had to endure and develop as an athlete and as a person and you know a lot of time we'll criticize people for the things that they the choices they make right but then we make their, our own set of choices and, and and if they had that same opportunity to view into the way that you live your life they would say well you're a piece of you're a piece of trash you know you don't even do half the stuff that like anybody else does but so for me like bandwagoning and things like that like that's that's a dangerous element of like social media and things like that and a lot of these uh, meme accounts and how we were talking about how some of this, these memes are propaganda like they they got actions against them by the safe sport and and the the governing body of USA weightlifting so like these some of these actions that people take do have some consequences online and I'm not an advocate for cyberbullying or anything like that but sometimes when adults get online and they say stupid stuff they're going to get reactions from people and you know sometimes it's just, it seems deserved and sometimes it seems like a little overboard but like we all make mistakes we all have you know periods and times in our life when we don't do the things that we need to do and it doesn't pan out the way we want it to or somebody you know comes along and they're better than us and they can't change that and and just saying the other person doesn't deserve it or that they're lesser of an athlete or any, or they're less dedicated isn't necessarily true that's just an opinion well and yeah i think that you know people especially like like sports fans are just so weird. Sports fans are weird, and they're the, they're and, the and, worst. And, and we are sports fans, and and so so don't don't get us wrong. Yeah, right? yeah. We are self critiquing a little bit, but what I think ends up happening is that, you know, if if you look at that kind of Maddie Kate situation from from a year ago, which is I guess resolved now. Yeah, it's like think so. there's yeah. a different route. They might both be going. Awesome. Sure. That's gonna be great. Yeah. But 
people read into people what they want to see, right? Sure. You know, they see all you see is one post a week. You see a story here and there. You see, ah, oh, I made this lift or I missed this lift. Yeah. But to think that you actually know any of these people is crazy. Yeah, it is absolutely like, crazy. And, and I think that, you know, there's there's a difference between kind of like feeling like you can understand where, you know, either of us would fall on an issue if you've listened to every podcast. Sure, ever. yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, if you've heard me ramble for, you know, hours and hours and hours, you probably have a pretty decent idea of what I want to talk about. But, like, to think that you have any idea what the inner life or the personal life or the daily routine of, like, an athlete that you follow online... Or anyone you follow online that you've never met in person... Is, is just crazy to think that, you know... The, the thing that you see on social media is that person and right. it's and it's not that's a different person that's a curated thing and to say oh it seems like they work harder it's like well maybe they don't post it out online right maybe, maybe like there's like and the, and the fact that you think that you can understand like oh I don't like that person they seem like a this or that like you don't know that person's personality right. you know that person online you know, there's, there's no, yeah, exactly. There's no, like, so this, this idea of, and I think that what ends up happening is that people think rivalries are interesting, right? Yeah. And that's, that's so probably they create what's them and they write them in, yeah. right? <laughs> and they just say, oh, I bet. But really how much of this is just a story that you're making up in your head about two people that you don't know, because it makes your day more interesting when you're watching their lifting videos if you imagine it's this competition. Right. Yeah. But in reality, those people are probably friends and they'd like hang out with each other and it's fine. You know, there's you have no way of knowing this. So I think that it's really important to, to watch yourself and be like, am I just making stuff up about other people? Because <laughs> yeah. like I think it's kind of cool. And I think that happens a lot. Well, I think that people see sometimes other people in relatable situations and then they attach themselves to that person and just like, oh, this person is just like me. And they want to see that person succeed because they want to see themselves succeed. They want to see themselves in the spotlight and see themselves successful and, and getting the things that they want and, and both in, in and out of you know, weightlifting and in the career and life. And I think that when we look at other people's lives, just because a picture shows something, a picture is worth a thousand words, but all those words could be in your head and, and you might not hear any of them. But the picture shows you happy and healthy and, and free and, and doing your thing, but your internal life could be a mess and, and, and you wouldn't know. Well, yeah, it's like uh, one of those one of those pictures uh, that's that's two pictures at once. Like yeah. There's like, what, the famous one that's like a bunny and a skull at the same time? Oh, yeah, where like you can look at it a specific way and then it turns into something else and then look at it a different way and it turns into another picture. Yeah, those, yeah. like it's all psychological. Yeah, so it's like what you see is just based on where you're viewing from or like what, what you saw first. What you initially and, saw, yeah. You know, I think that social media is a lot like that where, you know, you imagine these people being rivals and, you you know, you want this to be this way. But really, like if you if you kind of take a step back, it's like how much are you being really are you way too preoccupied with what people you don't know are doing? Yeah. Like if if, it, if the majority of your day is spent like thinking about what these other people are up to, you're probably missing what you're up to. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's there's something there's something a little bit weird there. Right. Um, and yeah, I think that I don't know. I think it's really we're we're terrible at being objective about ourselves sure. and. Something that I've been doing a lot lately is, you know, when when I have a thought or I have a, an idea, like there there are kind of two things that that I have been asking myself a lot lately, and it's like, well, what, where did this idea come from? 
did I generate this? Did I hear somebody say this? And it's just been rattling around for a few days and it's coming out now. Yeah. Like, is this my idea? And then, you know, what do you do with it? Because if you're so caught up with the fact that like every thought that you have is just like your lived experience rather than going, Oh, that's kind of a weird thing to be thinking about. I'm going to have, I'm going to, I'm having a, I'm in a weird headspace today. Yeah. Like I'm feeling, it's like, so like it's like trying to like identify like, Oh, weird. I'm, I'm being a negative Nancy about everything right now. Yeah. Where like, you know, you spill your coffee and, and you throw something and you're having a terrible time. And it's like, Whoa, where did that come from? Yeah. Why am I so upset right now? Yeah, why is that going on? And when you're letting other people on social media upset you, um, or you know, you're you're arguing with your weird uncle about politics on Facebook, or your cousin about the coronavirus. Yeah, it's it, whether, whether, wherever these things are coming from, if you like, kind of really make sure that you're you're curating your thoughts, and you're saying, yeah. okay, well, this is an unproductive way of, of being right now, so I'm going to try to. <laughs> Yeah. nudge myself into this this more positive direction but it's really easy to get super caught up in the idea loop that's in your head or the social media loop that you're in yeah. um, or what the algorithm is feeding you or what news articles Apple thinks that you like based on things that you've clicked on before and sure. before you know it you're just seeing the same thing over right. and over again and it's really hard to like actively listen to other opinions and to you know listen to somebody that you vehemently disagree with right. and give them the benefit of the doubt and thinking, well, this person isn't Emperor Palpatine. They aren't trying, like nobody's trying to do as bad as you think that they are. And that guy is a villain. If you didn't know, <laughs> Emperor Palpatine is a villain. Uh, I was actually listening to a, an audiobook. It's Darth Plagueis. And it's about how Emperor Palpatine came to, to power oh, that's and who his his uh, Sith master was and I thought it was really interesting because like the way they set it up was through the political organizations because they were the easiest to corrupt and it was the easiest way to corrupt the galaxy was through this political organization of, of uh, the Galactic Federation so um, I don't know I think it's, it's, it's interesting that uh, that they would choose that but, but and in the book that's where the towards the story takes place is through through politics and that's how they shape the galaxy yeah, and I think that on some level, the the coup that happens in Star Wars is really a retelling of what happened to Rome. Yeah. Because even when Rome, you know, uh, fell from being a republic, it's not that they didn't have a Senate anymore. It's just that the Senate didn't really have any control because they appointed this guy the emperor. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's not a republic anymore. It's, right. a, it's an empire. It's an empire, yeah. And um, I think that that's, you know, why why we get pulled into these kind of stories. I think yeah. that we, we look for, you know, these kind of dramatic tellings of things that, you know, but all, but if you look at the kind of story arc and like the, you know, the, I don't know if you want to use the word archetype, but I mean, it's Arch sort of, yeah, it's it's sort of that. And, and like everything kind of plays into it. So if you see a movie and it really connects with you, that kind of is, is showing you that it's tapping into something that, that can apply to the real world or yeah. it's a based on history or, you know, you recognize the human drives inside yeah. of that. Well, it's for sure. I think that's what it is, is just like there's aspects of humanity, laws of human nature that are enacted and uh, that people follow. And, and those are definitely things that those are outcomes that we can have if we're not careful. And that and that's a really I mean that's that's a discussion that we can we can delve into yeah, for more. Sure. I but think like that's... I think it, it, it helps highlight that even within uh, you know fiction, there I, I think it, an, an interesting concept is that there there are truths within things that aren't literal truths. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
So there, like something cannot be factual, but it can still be true. And, you know, looking at, you know, Star Wars where it's just like, okay, unchecked political power plus disinformation plus this equals, you know, empire versus empire. republic yeah. is not factual, but there's definitely something true there. And I think that's why people are drawn to those stories is that there, there's, you know, good fiction kind of gives you something. Well, I think part of it is like, in, in this case, it gives you what the reasoning and the theories are of the dark side of, of what a villain would think. Like, how do they set up plans and things like that? So I think the interesting is a, it's an interesting way of seeing how the other side thinks or how the other side might think. And um, whenever global atrocities happen, like, you have to think about there's people behind those things. There's people that are driving those things and, and creating those situations. And, you know, where do these ideas come from? They come from somewhere, from someone. And somebody's enacting them. So. Yeah, and they and they probably don't feel like they're being particularly evil. They, no. they I, I mean, everybody doing terrible stuff thinks that they're doing what's best for the greater good. Yeah. And I think that's why we have to be extremely skeptical whenever somebody says that this is going to be the best for everyone right. and has like a really 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 strong opinion on that yeah is like that i i think requires a little bit of pushback just to make sure that we aren't running into that slippery slope of you know yeah. everybody being so caught up that you can't see the evil that you're doing right um so yeah that's kind of our uh kind of kind of long-winded podcast our today. rant our rant for um, today good job Riley out at University Nationals yeah um, definitely good job Riley excited to see everybody uh, continuing on in this block of training leading up toward meet in April um, mm -hmm. and yeah guys I mean just just make sure that you check and see that your opinions are your opinions and that you're not just getting things from one side or the other and just just appreciate and try to look for nuance and acknowledge how complicated things are more often because I think that it's really easy to get caught up in saying, this is so simple, why aren't you seeing it my way? And, and until, But unless you're really, really willing to, to listen to what somebody else has to say, you can't, uh, you can't effectively defeat their ideas if you don't understand them. Yeah, exactly. And... If you're sick, stay home. Take care of yourself. Come back when you're when you're back to ready to get back to training. All right, guys. Well, rest hard, trade hard, and we'll see you next week for another episode. All right, happy lifting, y'all. Till next time. <laughs>